0: Thank you. Hey Phil Hey Laurie, welcome back Oh thanks Phil You know the last
1: time we sat uh, with microphones between us Was in a, in a proper studio, wasn't it? <laughs> Not so much now Now it's mm. our weird, super, super amazing Super Bailey Bros, amazing perspex glass, whatever thing hanging above Leicester oh, Square, it, or whatever it's, it's it is And <laughs> we're continuing with that <laughs> Listeners, thank you very much If you did tune in to our radio debut As the fantastic, oh no, the fabulous Bailey Brothers <laughs> The fabulous Bailey Brothers I'm actually going to play the jingle for that here Oh I, well, that sounds I, good I think we're allowed to, here we go <laughs> your life your stories this is the fabulous bailey brothers on bbc radio oxford <laughs> well, there you go that was uh, that's how we were introduced to the the nation region, the, well technically it was kind of national because you can listen online international some American digital, listeners
0: as well right we got
1: some people from America tuning in we had two hours of Bailey Bros basically bonus content no film stuff in there really was there
0: no it was quite it was unusual it was, it was quite strange trying to deliver these little fun tidbits that yeah. normally are just little cherries on top of the the super Bailey Bros pie
1: that's right and it's a different business because doing the bonus on the podcast is always at the end of our <laughs> recording things, so we're tired and we just let it
0: go until we're finished sort of ramble and tangential can't do that on radio (laughs) you know you've got to
1: play the songs at the right time you can't crash the news or the travel all that stuff. you
0: played the songs at the right time well done laurie laurie's doing all the little desk driving things all the faders and sliding things up and pressing the buttons you did a very good job oh thanks phil it was hard work but i really really enjoyed it and you know we're very much hoping to get another shot at that
1: as well so thanks very much to bbc oxford for uh, letting us do that. Thanks especially to Georgie for producing us.
0: Yeah, she was super.
1: She did a very good job, trust me, on that one. Uh, And I want to say thanks to Martin as well, another producer at the BBC, uh, who helped train me on the desks and that sort of stuff. So that was really appreciated. You guys are super supporters of the Super Bailey Bros. Superstars. Anyway. Yes. Oh, and I want you can still listen to it. If you search for the Fabulous (laughs) Bailey Brothers, you'll find us on BBC
0: Oxford. Oh, yes. If you missed it, listen in on the iPlayer. But today we're back to Super Bailey Bros. Normal stuff. And it's been a long time. I was just about to go on to this. I'm so sorry, listeners, that I've been absent. It's been a very, very, very busy time for me personally, and uh, I think I'm slightly out of the woods now, so back into regular scheduled programming, I hope. We'll wait and see, man. There's probably some Blair Witch-type thing waiting to pull you back into the woods. Uh, <laughs> Don't go in there! Don't go
1: in there! <laughs> uh, wait and see. But we have got three movie reviews for you, a couple of what we've been watching, a little special quiz that Phil prepared, actually for the radio that we didn't use in the off-cuts, end. Offcuts, yeah. That's right. And, the best uh, offcuts. And a couple of emails and tweets, although we really haven't had very many. I think it's but partly because we've been doing the radio thing and because we're fortnightly and all that sort of stuff. And actually, well, there's a tweet I'll come to where even though i reviewed 10 films last week, one of the tweets we got just said, I haven't seen any of those. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. So I think we're just in a weird cinema dead zone and everyone's just holding their breath waiting for like Avengers.
0: It is always this time of year. It's a bit of a, a dull dip.
1: Yeah, I think so, sadly. But the big films we're reviewing are Isle of Dogs from Wes Anderson, Ready Player One from Steven Spielberg, sort of. And love Simon. I'll, I'll explain later, Phil. He's making a quizzical look at me, listeners. And love Simon. Who directed that one? I think it's Greg Berlanti. <laughs> that sounds like a made-up name. No, I really think it is. And <laughs> Greg I, Berlanti. <laughs> I'm relying on the prep I did for last week's radio thing. I think that's right. And we'll all enjoy whether I'm correct or not. Will
0: you be impressed if I'm right? I will be very impressed. Uh, but here's my little interesting factoid. The guy in it who plays Simon, I believe. Nick mm-hmm. uh, Nick Robinson. Yeah, he's the Jurassic Park kid. Not Jurassic the World. Jurassic Park kid, but Jurassic World. Oldest, cooler teenager, always on
1: his phone trying to impress the girls. That's right. He's been on a, been a few things, actually. I think he's a great lead, but we'll come to that later when we review the film. What are the, what we've been watching films?
0: I'm going to review Senna, the same guy who did the Amy documentary, did one about Art and Senna, the One driver. Mate.
1: Come on, I thought you watched the doc.
0: Okay, and um, yeah, Laurie, what have you done? Uh, <laughs> Phil looks really deflated
1: now. Uh, I've seen Hitman's Bodyguard and The Man from Uncle again. We both we reviewed both of those on an old. I believe podcast. it's the the Man from Uncle. Yeah, thanks for that, Phil. Uh, I might just do both of
0: those. Really Watch the fast. film, didn't you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call it Uncle in the film. Yeah, I was just trying you to Hugh Grant says Uncle, yeah. so eat that. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's it. That's all we got for this week. Thank you very much to everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash uh, as again thanks for everyone who tuned into the radio thanks for those who've been in touch by email and tweet uh, we'll come on to that a bit later and you can get in touch on superbellybros at gmail.com or at superbellybros on twitter if you have anything to say on any of the films we review or the film world at large because you know it occurs to me Phil we haven't mentioned any of the film news that's kind of turned up and there have been a few stories haven't
0: there oh there's always stories but
1: we do, I, sometimes we comment on the news sometimes we don't movie news back.
0: yeah, yeah. We'll,
1: we'll see what happens alright let's get going shall we
0: anything well just quickly to remind you if you you think laurie or i have got it wrong or right do give in your plus ones or minus ones to myself or laurie that's a little competition laurie and i are continuing to run over the course of the year to see who's the best correct yeah oh and well
1: i should give you the results from last year because i did tally them up you know why don't i just tell you you won by miles mate no i didn't (laughs) yes you did i tallied (laughs) up the scores and it was something ridiculous you got like nine more plus ones than me (laughs) You kept on saying <laughs> I was going to win. It was just oh, ridiculous. Which is my wonderful B- strategy. Benedict's <laughs> Benedict got three for his reviews. Well done, films. Benedict. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. I thought I was in for a win. You were crushing streak. it, man. I That's think
0: also you saw way more films uh, over the course of the year than I did because of your...
1: Well, I think that counts against me, actually. Because well, means, exactly. I was yeah. just about to
0: say, it means you. I chose my little cherries that I was going to give you, yeah. and uh, you had to go through the sludge. Well, you know, it was ever thus, I suppose, in the film world. And
1: I'm sorry as well because the rewards, you know, kind of is still happening. But because it's been so hectic and higgledy-piggledy with the episodes, we've done a really bad job of talking about it. I had some people get in touch with me about the rewards this week and they had some nominations. I'm not really sure what to do about it because I feel like we've missed our chance to make it work. I
0: feel like it was always going to be a companion to the Oscars, but actually it's kind of its own thing. So let's hold off for a little bit, build up a little bit more steam and then do it. But to do that, we have to do the categories. Anyway,
1: look, I'll put them up on the website. <laughs> we'll do this properly in the next episode. How about that? Okay, cool. Check
0: the I website. Feel like it was a really tight intro and they just fell apart at the end. Let's trust your editing skills and you can chop it right down. Mm.
1: All right, let's go. Twitter was a light, fill with an Easter egg that people discovered about Wes Anderson's new film because despite, I think the Isle of Dogs is an actual place, isn't it, in the real world? And Not that I'm aware of. I thought it was. I thought it was a fictional place. Through the magic of editing, this would appear to have happened immediately. But the Isle of Dogs is an area in the east end of London that is bounded on three sides. Are you aware of this film? No, I wasn't at all. Well, there you go. So the Isle of Dogs is an actual thing.
0: Are you about to say the wordplay?
1: Yeah. So everyone was like, oh MG, can you believe that it actually sounds like the word the words I love dogs? Isle of Dogs, I love dogs. Wow. What a deep <laughs> secret meaning to this film. Were you aware of this film? Did you hear about uh, it?
0: I heard about it. Did uh, it blow your tiny mind? Uh, Fractionally Fractionally A tiny portion A lobe Has been blown A lobe (laughs) Okay Wes Anderson Has done a follow up To Fantastic Mr Fox It's very much In the same style It's Stop motion animation, which he's uh, beautifully crafted, and this is set in Japan. Just something to note: you're going to hear the trailer, which kind of does a ma- amazing job of summarising the plot. It's
1: very narrative, and it's not like Phil did an amazing narrative intro himself. And when we listened to the trailer, we thought, you know what? Let's <laughs> let's just let the trailer do that, is it? Yeah, so that's no, not happened at no. all.
0: But one thing which I can tell you for certain is unusually, this film has a Japanese voice cast for all the Japanese people, and the dogs all voiced by famous actors, and so pretty much entirely. The dialogue that you do hear, which you understand, is uh, not spoken by humans, almost yeah, entirely. Well, yeah, there's a couple of characters who do speak like that. There's like translators and yeah. uh, a trans, uh, what's the word, a transfer student who's from yes. America and things like that. An exchange student, yeah.
1: And it's uh, old Wes Anderson favourites doing the dogs, eh?
0: Yep, you've got uh, Jeff Goldblum, Edward Norton, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, somebody else who i don't know i think
1: it is Jason Schwartzman although he's just he's always in Wes Anderson films i don't actually know whether he's one of the dogs
0: bill Murray's one of them as yep, well yep. and then you've got Greta Gerwig who plays the transfer student and you've got Brian Cranston in probably the major role he plays chief and Scarjo of- turns up does not she Scarlett oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah she's in it as well big cast lots of very very popular actors in this movie here's the trailer
1: the japanese archipelago 20 years in the future canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions an outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of megasaki mayor kobayashi issues emergency orders calling for a hasty quarantine trash island becomes an
0: exile colony the isle of dogs i don't think i can stomach any more of this garbage exactly so here the words out of my mouth Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex, you're King, you're Duke, you're Boss. I'm Chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs. <laughs>
1: Atari Kobayashi, you heroically hijacked a Junior turboprop XJ750 and flew it to the island because of your dog. <sighs>
0: Darn it. I've got a crush on you. Spots, Spots! We get the idea. You're looking for your lost dog Spots. Does anybody know him? No, no. no, 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 no. I've lost all of my pride. Spots, if he's alive, may very well be living even at this moment as a captive
1: prisoner. Somebody is up to something.
0: Will you help him? <laughs> the little pilot. Why should I? Because he's a 12-year-old boy. Dogs love those. We'll find him. Wherever he is, if he's alive, we'll find your dog. It's going to be a fight. No! <laughs> I wish somebody spoke his language. Wow. To the north, a long, rickety causeway over a noxious sludge marsh leading to a radioactive (laughs) landfill polluted by toxic chemical garbage. That's our destination. Great. Get ready to jump. Laurie, can I ask you, were you a fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox?
1: Yeah, I enjoy Fantastic Mr. Fox. I've seen it a few times, partly because some of my friends, who I wouldn't call big Wes Anderson fans, really love it. I think they think it's hilarious and... Just kind of heartwarming and interesting, and a particular friend that we share, Phil, has uh, gone specifically to the point where Fox eats his breakfast in the morning uh, in an unexpected way, and he's replayed it and just cracked up every single time. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder which friend whether you can guess the friend. Let's do that off it. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's incredibly deft and detailed, uh, but I, it's not one that I've been anxious to return to.
0: No, it's. I find. I think having watched *Our Dog*, I find this sort of animation particularly in the style that Wes Anderson uses it, pretty exhausting to watch. Do you feel that, really? Yeah, I don't find it enjoyable to watch. I think it's visually stunning and beautiful, the way it's composed and the detail in the models and the sets and everything like, like that. Absolutely wonderful and very unique to Wes Anderson. But the actual animation, the way that these characters move... It just feels a little bit too quick. Interesting, and I found that uncomfortable to watch in my eyes. In your eyes? Well, I
1: mean, I didn't feel that, Phil. I didn't. I didn't notice that. I can believe that of you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> not not, not I believe reason. you potentially could not like that. Yeah,
1: I. I, mean, I think you are underselling the beauty of it. So. Do, What was interesting, this is one of the few films that I have gone to see in an ordinary cinema and I was really glad to go to an ordinary cinema because the screen was huge and it's nice being surrounded by other people and get proper surround sound, that sort of thing. And I was genuinely blown away by the intricacy and the beauty of every single scene. And I think the number of sort of fake locations and sets and the detail of the models is almost unnecessarily amazing to look at. There are so many different locations and so many different effects and styles of scene that they must have been an absolute painstaking uh, chore to animate. But we really are treated to it. And it's got the classic Wes Anderson framing. Everything, all the important stuff tends to be dead centre and everything is arranged just so all the time. I thought every single scene was a treat for the eyes. Do you agree with that?
0: Um, Yeah, I do. I think the aesthetic was great, but I disagree overall, I think this film is not that enjoyable. Okay. Because Wes Anderson is very intentional in his style. He's very deliberate in his camera movements, in his uh, framing and everything like that. That That's kind of his calling card. And yet with the fact that it's stop motion, everything is absolutely intentional when it comes to stop motion because you design the sets, you design the characters, every single detail is minute. Probably why he likes it. And yeah, I think it suits him because he loves that whole dollhouse sort of aesthetic. But I felt that because that is so intentional and then he is so intentional in what he does, I felt overloaded with um, intention, basically. It's too prescriptive in what it was doing. There was no organicness to it. There was no life in what was happening. In fact, everything felt very stilted. And when you've got literally still characters, that doesn't necessarily blend very well. Oh, right. And I found myself feeling what I imagine lots of people feel about Wes Anderson's whole filmography for the first time. I'm a massive Wes Anderson fan. I love his movies. I think they're really creative and distinct. And yet in this film, I felt it was pretentious, silly, um, annoyingly quirky. Wow. And yeah, I found it. I really hated this film. I think. You hated it? I no, think I, I did. I, I sort of I can't believe it. I did not enjoy it. I think that it must reflect your emotional state a little bit. No, but I really didn't enjoy it. I found it very boring and tiresome. I found it really tiresome. I wanted the film to end. And it doesn't surprise me, but this is the record holder for the longest stop motion film ever yeah. of all time. And it's 100, uh, one hour, 41 minutes long. I think it's tied, actually, with another film. And I found I couldn't. Oh, <laughs> it just meanders and characters they all have they all have the same voice that's the thing which i found really difficult um, that's quite a wes andersony thing yeah which he doesn't is weird go, it? he doesn't
1: go for i don't know what the word is but when you try and match the design of your character so it's sort of the opposite of voice acting and they do very very naturalistic and i think you can really hear that with some of scarlett johansson's lines mm. um, in particular where she pronounces everything very well and very seriously and there's a lot of a dead expression, not in a bad way, but it's just very like we were around in a, in a boring room.
0: It's sort of like neutral in the way it's delivered. And that's part of the aesthetic to it. Well, I think that works because it gives gravitas and sort of
1: dreariness to something that is the opposite of that. It's this like highly stylized animation, right? I think it's an interesting contrast at least. Well, tell me some more stuff you liked about the film then Laurie. Well, I I admit that the major thing I liked was just beautiful. And I, I thought it's so nice to see something that has such a unique voice and, that is unashamedly just trying to make you think wow that's stunning wow that's beautiful like the, the sort of scientific labs that the japanese scientists work on their uh cure to dog flu uh, or attempted cure to dog flu in is amazing and the coordination of the lights and the sound effects and everything else and the steam i was really blown away by the animation the entire way through and the design i thought uh what did i th- i i enjoyed the characterization i guess but I. What's funny, Phil, is that I think I would have come in here saying liked it, but but the fact that you hate it so much makes, <laughs> makes me feel to like I need, it. I need to be more positive. But in truth, I can't really be because I did feel that it was long, and I felt tired. I felt tired by the end, and I was ready for it to end. Uh, and I was also one thing that unusually I felt quite distracted by uh, in a Wes Anderson film is that I found the story. It was either it was naive or it was intentional. But I can't figure out which one it was because it felt like it touched on so many relevant political, social, economic implications, given its setting, given the specific choice with the language. You know, letting Japanese actors speak Japanese with no subtitle, for example, Mm. and having an American exchange student be the one that is sort of pivotal in the film. And the dogs are Americans as well. And there's this whole thing about... Uh, not wanting dogs around and trying to prejudice an entire populace against dogs. There were so many themes in there that felt relevant. I found that actually distracting because I don't think that that was what Wes Anderson was doing. I think he isn't really doing that and his films don't normally do that. And so there was this uneasy tension throughout the film where I felt like I couldn't really get invested in it just as a story, partly because the story is not that interesting necessarily and it's told in a very flat way, but also because... I could, was trying to think, is it trying to say that? Is it trying to be about this? Is it trying to make a comment on that? And then also because of that, in the back of my mind was this whole controversy that sprung up around the film. Is Mm. it cultural appropriation? Is it insensitive? Blah, blah, blah. And for all those reasons, I couldn't enjoy it in the way I would normally enjoy a Wes Anderson film.
0: It's interesting you bringing that up because I was, I was hesitant to say it because I don't, I think cultural appropriation is a bit of a, a sticky subject in general, but this is, I think. Genuinely, I had that thought in the cinema myself, independent of reading anything about it. Sure, it is a bit uncomfortable seeing um, this sort of weird mesh of Western and uh, Eastern cultures. And I think some—I remember hearing somebody talking about it after watching the film, and they said it's a bit unusual to have the Japanese because they, you don't hear them in uh, in English language. They are the others in the film, and yet it's set in their country, and that that creates an int- like you were saying a very odd political climate to kind of engage with the film in because I don't well, know what it's saying. Because you assume it,
1: it has to be deliberate because of the state of the world, and you very you can't really do that kind of thing purely whimsically because it's just not it doesn't seem appropriate, does it?
0: Mm. I think there were some things that I did like. And I'm going to name them now so people it, yeah. don't accuse me of being Mr. Negative. I really loved the, the, the team of alpha dogs that you heard in the trailer. Well, they're the, the voice-
1: best it's good at the beginning. Mm. But sorry, carry
0: on. For well, me. that's the thing. When they have their little uh, scraps and voting and they discuss what it was like being uh, pet dogs and what they their lives were like back home. That felt very uh, relatable in a Wes Anderson sort of way. But that, as you say, it kind of disappears. They become side characters, and it all becomes Brian, about Brian Cranston and what's going on with him. And I felt like he was um, an unusual character. I think what is what's highlighted to me is actually where Anderson is very much concerned about people. He likes people. He talks about people, and his characters present very stiltedly and not very relatably. And yet, underneath, you kind of buy into the fact that there's a very real human core to them. And even with Fantastic Mr. Fox, I think the animals are presented as humans. They're yeah. very much humanised and anthropomorphic. And in this film, you just don't get that in the same way. Well, it was slightly obvious,
1: I think, that the arc for Chief is an obvious one. And you can't accuse Wes Anderson of ever doing anything obvious normally. So no. So it felt a bit shallow from that point of view. Exactly. you were waiting for a twist or a surprise or a nuance, but it didn't really appear that way.
0: I, I, I'm going to sort of end my comments here, I think. I think it's style over substance.
1: Yeah, I thought it's interesting you talk about that, the stilted characters, because one of the things that makes Wes Anderson's doll's house aesthetic really interesting is he puts people in them. Mm. And people are. We talked about this when we did our big Wes Anderson thing. like One of our favorite scenes joint, I think, is when uh, Ray Fiennes uh, is being about to be arrested at the Grand Budapest Hotel. But instead of going with them, he turns and runs. Yeah, it's a very so silly the camera doesn't move and it looks really silly because people are kind of silly. When you, when you do it like that and you create this perfect doll's house but the people within it always look a little bit ridiculous and because they move normally and fluidly it's as if you know there were real people living in a doll's house being like what's this about? <laughs> what's this, this is here? crazy and like Bill Murray in The Life Aquatic, is that's the whole film and everything sort of twee around him and he just kind of feels uncomfortable with it he's a grumpy
0: like miserable man yeah
1: exactly whereas making the stop motion animation characters like that you're right it blends in and so actually you feel a bit removed from it all Uh, yeah sorry we should stop talking shouldn't we because we could talk for a long time here Overall, I think a lot of people will enjoy it because it is that unique and it's got that authentic a voice. Uh, the only thing I'll say, is cultural appropriation, I haven't really thought enough to know how I feel about it. It's very, de- everything about it is very deliberate. There is a Japanese writer involved in the film and it's highly fictionalised. I think it's an odd cocktail of things. But what I find surprising is that people are very ready to do that here and not ready to do that for something like Big Hero 6, which I thought coming out of the film was way more suspicious In its cultural appropriation. Literally, they have a city called San Francisco. Yeah. And basically, they have San Francisco, but they take the bits of Japanese culture they like and put it in there and pretend that's a merging of the cities. And according to Big Hero 6, Japan is just food and uh, uh, gates and archways (laughs) and like big cities at nighttime. Yeah. So that's so much worse. Yeah. It's so much worse. And the fact that it's by Disney is a huge corporation, but people don't see it that way.
0: I don't know. I think, I don't think it was malicious if, if it is accused of that in this film in Isle of Dogs. I just think it, I didn't, it didn't sit well with me. And I had a question about that and I kind of thought, mm, I don't know what I feel about this. But having said that, there were some really nice yeah. bits. It's, it's, in to be there. You, it's a very odd film. I didn't, I didn't enjoy watching it. I don't want to watch it ever again. I don't think. Wow. Um, I'm going to give it a C. Okay. And I'm sure people will say, well, you're an idiot, Phil. I'm okay with that. I can be an idiot for you. (laughs) It does
1: feel like unusually listeners will be an arbiter in this much more than us because if you enjoyed it, I'd love to know why. What did you like about it? Do the things we're worried about make you nervous or not? So for me, I would give it,
0: a b i think there you go get your plus ones and minus ones superbaileybros at gmail.com or at superbaileybros on twitter we'd love to hear from you and this is the time where you can really make a difference in what Ooh, we think about this film difference. and uh last thing i will say is i almost guarantee in about five years students will have posters of this film up and they'll watch it and they'll have a viewing party they invite some sort of girl around and be like Hey, check out this film. It's just really quirky. It's got mm. it's got dogs in, and uh, I'll tell you one thing I Wes will say Anderson. is I
1: really like the sumo wrestling scene because that <laughs> did remind me a lot of the actual sumo wrestling I saw in Tokyo, and that was a really big experience for me. And like, I, it really was amazing to me. That the seats you pay the big money for, the businessmen, are right on the floor by the actual ring. But these huge sumo wrestlers, the way they lose the match is to get thrown out of the ring, and you will, <laughs> you are really, genuinely in danger of being crushed by these massive guys. <laughs> And, and but they seem to love it. They, <laughs> like, the, the guys who pay the money at the front—that's that's what they want. And I thought that was nicely evoked in the scene. Anyway, yeah, right, move on. Ready, ready, ready player one. one. Is that all? Yeah, you- <laughs> that's it. I you had that's great. On. That's great. I'll put an echo. You, on do, it. you do your. You do your best one. What is in a video game? Yeah. Well, like, so I'm thinking Super Smash Brothers. Remember that game? Yeah. Ready, ready, player one. one. How's that? Player one. <laughs> anyway, we do so many phrases. different game styles we could use. Well, listeners, I wasn't going to go and see this film because I was on holiday when I would have caught the press screenings and I didn't have to review it for the BBC, didn't go see it. But our parents, Phil, who I saw recently, told me they loved it. They had and a great time. I'm so surprised by that. And I was really surprised because everything I would picked up... Was this vibe that it's all about Easter eggs and cultural references and all that sort of? And listeners, if you've been if you've been listening for a long time, Laurie loves Easter eggs. Man, he loves them. That switches out all the Easter eggs like nothing else. Pointing out all the Easter eggs, Laurie. Not only that, this film in its trailer, you know, it is that they are looking for an Easter egg. That is the literal goal of the film, and we can explain that a bit more. So I, I didn't have massive expectations for it. I knew it was a lot of CGI. Steven Spielberg has had ups and downs recently, so his name still means a lot. Interestingly, though, the last thing. I saw of Steven Spielberg's was an episode of Columbo. (laughs) So, yeah, I know, right. Phil's making faces at me. No, totally, he did. He directed some Columbo. And so I I was kind of all, I didn't really know what to think. I took their word for it and I'm glad I did. Let's leave it there for now.
0: Play the trailer and then I want to list you my worries about this film having not okay, seen it okay
1: well I'll just explain it's based on a kind of choose your own adventure book a lit RPG they talk uh, call it that was uh, published in 2011 called Ready Player One but I would say it's relatively loosely based on it having gone onto Wikipedia to check the sort of plot of that <laughs> story um, that's not like your catchphrase I know I'm sorry about that and I do apologise but you know it's useful for right now isn't it because now I can tell you all about this uh, and it, it's been adapted from that to be a film it stars Ty Sheridan stars Olivia Cook, uh, stars Ben Mendelssohn off of Rogue One where he played the guy who spat loads <laughs> with all those lines he's, he's a good spitter man like in a spitting contest Ben Mendelssohn will win hands down <laughs> he's just got the right mouth for it I, I guarantee it um, yeah but the trailer does a pretty good job of explaining the context and everything else and it does it with some banging tunes so let's have it My name is Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid. My mom, too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere, there's nowhere left to go.
0: Nowhere. Except the Oasis. Oasis.
1: virtual universe people come to the oasis for all the things they can do but they stay because of all the things they can be
0: can you feel this
1: Let me show you um, yeah it's the only place that feels like i mean anything
0: The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival,
1: and how the hell is he winning?
0: Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The oasis, the world's most important economic resource. is nothing less than a war for control of the future. Welcome to the rebellion,
1: Wade.
0: Like
1: many of you, I only came here to escape.
0: But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Let's save the oasis. Right, so here's my worries about Ready Player One. It's a film directed by Steven Spielberg. Correct. Who is not currently a big name director director like he was. Well, that's not true, is it? He's he's a classic director. Let's put it like that. He's Mm. he's still got talent, not saying that. But his golden age is in the past. The
1: post-Bridge of Spies B.H.E.?
0: Yeah, but his his golden age is definitely in the past, yeah, isn't it? Yep. E.T., all that sort of stuff, Jurassic Park. It's fine, all in the past. Fine. So that's Steven Spielberg, and he's doing this film. It's a film which is about video games, and it's sort of set in the future... And yet, the references that it's hitting are all sort of 80s. You hear it in the trailer, you've got Jump there, you've got the sting from Back to the Future mm-hmm. at the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've seen the trailer, it's got the Iron Giant in it, it's got the DeLorean, it's got things that, for me, very much seem like not for the current generation who are 11 to 14. It's very much the parents' generation of 11 to 14. And I kind of think, what on earth is that about? Mm-hmm. Why would you make a film which is celebrating the future and culture and pop, like all this ridiculous sort of over the topness, and then not have current stuff like Call of Duty or uh-huh. Pokemon yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it might be? Mm-hmm. And I have issues with that. My other issue is it really bugs me that they, when they go into the Oasis, this sort of uh, video game world, rather than having real people play the characters, they decided to go with CGI characters. Why? Doesn't I, it always bugs me in films when they do that? Because you've just had an example with Jumanji into the jungle, where actors could play. As an avatar of someone else, and I think that makes it much more engaging. Instead, you've got these giant-eyed, sort of silly-looking uh-huh. creatures. Uh-huh. That you finished. And... You're taking a real long time to say. This. Anyway, those are my big issues with the film, Laurie. I'm ready for you to address the them. You just practically gave her a little review. Uh,
1: well, I think you're wrong about everything, Phil.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear really that. Glad
1: to say. So, what was number one again? It was such a long time. Steven Spielberg.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> I didn't take that long to say. I'm only joking. Carry on. Steven Spielberg. He's not in his prime anymore. Yeah. Well,
1: and that's there. There you and I disagree. We don't think the post was great, and we know why. It's because it was rushed through production to hit a political message wasn't it and mm-hmm. anyone who tries to do that you're not really making a film in the same way anymore you're making a piece of cultural material slash propaganda perhaps you could call it that you know if, whether you agree with it or not it's still propaganda because it's making a political message and a statement blah 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 still thought it was okay Bridges spies i really like i think it's underrated i really like
0: that i didn't think it was great but i, I really like the
1: bfg do you recall in, when we did our of the loved year, it. It was like right up there with my top five. I thought it was great, and I thought it had a huge number of things that are lacking from current cinema. So I think it's easy to underestimate because he's you know older now, and his golden age, as you put it, is in the past. It's easy to undervalue and underappreciate Steven Spielberg, and he has done some films that no one liked, like War of the World with Tom Cruise, which is a really weird film. <laughs> Don't know why that got done. But I think he, what I was interesting that Phil and, uh, my parents didn't think he had directed it; they thought he just produced it. And watching the film, I thought he has to have directed this. I've heard he has to have rated this. No, man, it's not schmaltzy. It's just good. Like, <laughs> the thing is, you know, Avengers and lots of, you know, think about the Justice League, everything else, all the stuff that has got big fantasy. Uh, components that requires masses of CGI that requires fantastical landscapes that Mm. requires huge numbers of things happening on the screen you know think of The Hobbit we've just seen as well people are used to these things just not connecting and not working because they just kind of suck this film uses all those things in the right way so that despite it taking place in a fantastical universe with bizarre things going on it actually works because the guy directing it is the sort of generator of those things he's the, the people who've done it badly Steven Spielberg is their influence and you can totally see it in this film there is a climactic battle featuring thousands and thousands of things going on that feels actually like it's really happening i think it brilliantly pays homage to um episode one the phantom menace can you believe that like you know when the gungans are fighting the battle oh right, right, right i thought that and actually it made me realize george lucas did that better than a lot of people have done it certainly better than the flipping battle of the five armies mm. which is a joke basically by comparison and there are so many parts of the direction here that play with scale and play with perspective And the sort of physicality of the people involved that just shows you here is a guy who knows how to communicate uh, a scene that is fantastical without losing the audience. And I think you should watch it because I think you'll know exactly what I mean when you look at the way the shots are composed and the sort of mise-en-scene is put together. There's even a big sort of one of the things is Halliday, the inventor of this oasis. Mark Rylance. Yeah, that's a bad choice. We can come to that later. (laughs) They set up a sort of... He's created a a memory palace of his so that you can watch his memories and learn clues if you want to win his contest. And you go there as part of this fantastical world. And that is exactly the kind of scene that another director would make really annoying because it's a big memory palace. You just think, oh, wow, there's so many amazing graphic designer ways to represent this, right? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You can imagine the abstract negative space stuff and the disappearing hallways. That's kind of there. And yet it does feel properly like it would exist in that world i thought it was great i thought it was well designed it took me a long time to say that what was your second point again second point references. is the, the
0: cultural references are outdated best
1: thing about this was that i'd heard that before going in and that was one of the reasons that was one of the things that put me off what I, I actually think the fact that they are outdated references is what makes it really really good because it means and the reason i think people are frustrated is they can't go in and say i know where that's from oh yeah that's that's this that's this actually they can't do that because The reason they're old is because the the guy who designed this Oasis place is a sort of retro guy who loves old stuff, like he spent his time playing Ataris. There are people like that in this generation, and he's a passionate guy, and that's what he wanted to put into his world. So although you do get Master Chief from Halo turning up, and you get get Gundam Wing turning up, that was one of my favourite bits in the film, you have sort of modern, you also have the old stuff, like Back to the Future. FYI, the little sting at the end, is because Alan Silvestri did the score, man. He ah. did Back to the Future. He did one of the most iconic scores in cinematic history. And because they couldn't get John Williams, they got Alan Silvestri. Perfect choice. He does it. What, with to an...
0: do the whole play- Ready Player One thing? He did
1: the whole score for is Ready Player score? One. Brilliant score. It's got that sort of whimsical harp and horns and stuff from Back to the Future. And it gives this weirdly sci-fi world that's futuristic, a real sense of 80s nostalgic wonder that still really connects with me and makes me think, wow, stuff is happening.
0: But you were born in the 80s, so like you're... you're... You're not in the 80s, but you're kind of the nearest thing to it. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. So I, I was talking references, right?
1: but you already know about me. I don't care about references. That's not something I'm interested <laughs> in. So when they mention the Millennium Falcon and the fact that he's driving the DeLorean out of Back to the Future doesn't interest me that much. What I, was, what I loved it for was that it doesn't pander to young audiences but okay. for exactly that reason. It, instead, it uses a habit that they have to look for Easter eggs and references and crossovers and instead makes it all out of date. And what would it be like if all these old amazing things were as interesting as these modern ones? So it takes something that I consider to be a shallow, you know, habit that lacks artistic merit or integrity. Of just referencing. Yeah, and it uses it to say, how about Back to the Future? Have you ever seen that film, kids? it's amazing how about Godzilla how about Gundam Wing how about the generations of artistic giants that these pathetic references are standing on instead maybe you'll think well what's that car that he was driving the DeLorean and then you'll go and it's like a reverse egg. so instead of it all being about I know what that is it's like I don't know what that is I want to find out what it is yeah do you get it so I actually thought that was brilliant. And beyond that, it's what the Ready Player One book does. It uses Pac-Man, it uses old games, that sort of thing.
0: Something which I feel a bit uncomfortable is I heard that Steven Spielberg is referenced in the book as an as a master director. Oh, really? I didn't know. So I, I didn't feel a little bit up. weird about the fact that he's chosen to direct a book, Do you know one which thing celebrates him. Well, one thing
1: that's interesting about that final a little tidbit is that I, I looked this up and the movie rights were bought by Warner Brothers before Steven Spielberg was associated with the project and before the book was even published. The idea was so strong it got bought a year before publication. So it's not quite how it seems. Maybe the author decided to put Steven Spielberg in, knowing that it was going to be turned into a film, thinking then
0: maybe he'll, you know, please make my film. Um, Yeah. My last criticism, or or not criticism, my prejudice, prejudicial worry, whatever it might be, um, is the the fact that they animate the characters yeah
1: right and i think that's essential actually and it's the best i've ever seen it steven spielberg did tintin which did not work we can all agree uh but this time it did and it wouldn't have worked in the same way as jumanji because jumanji is comedy and so there is instant comedy in recognizing the rock and in recognizing jack black and in recognizing kevin hart and karen gillen as well right i
0: mean kevin hart just plays kevin hart he does
1: but that's why it works when you give them sort of real avatars because who they are is part of the joke and it's okay. part of the reason. I see you mean. yeah yeah. And it's done as a spoof. This one there's a huge message in it about living in fantasy land versus living in reality and how mm. those two things relate. And so it's important that it's all CGI because it needs to communicate to you over and over again that this isn't really living as someone else who's cooler than you. It's living as someone who's demonstra- demonstrably fake. So mm. you can you can uh, you can design everything about them like you can. There's a weird moment where there's like a cat. Um, uh, with very feminine anatomy, which i didn't like, but the, the, point, the point is this stuff needs to be like) that. Um, oh, It was weirdly really directed, like that was a bit I didn't like, and I, I, yeah, I did not
0: like that bit. I mean um, Jessica Rabbit is is uh... Well
1: right, yeah, so the point is it's, it needs to be fantastical, so that you know even the characters know it's not
0: real. I see what you mean. But I, I I just remember seeing the the main guy and he has these huge anime eyes. That's right. Yeah, he does. But well, you just... get over
1: it really fast and okay. there's not that much time spent in that world either. You do spend time with these kids on the outside as well. And I, I really felt that not only did it blend together well, but narratively, it's really, really strong. You feel completely anchored the entire way through, despite the fact that it's a very meta-filled, sort of abstract concept. It really makes sense. The goalposts are there. You get the threat inside and outside, and when things split and there are threats on various fronts, you don't lose context. I I would thought it was actually really impressive, and the big thing that left me loving it was the fact that this film is not moralising, it's not trying to teach you anything other than to celebrate life and say what a wonderful thing life is. No matter what context you're in, there's still a way to enjoy real life even though it's difficult. And that is the only message that really is worth, and sometimes I think it's the only message that's really worth saying in a film because anyone who watches it can
0: learn from it. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Weirdly, you're making me want to see the film.
1: Yeah, I think I want to make you want to see the film because I was really impressed by it. I like the cameo um, from Simon Pegg, which I wasn't expecting to. I thought he was good. And I think if he and Steven of all Spielberg... all the people you could have picked, Well, that's why say. I picked him, man, because he's done some really bad cameos. Oh, Simon Pegg can just he was good in this and I want to see Steven Spielberg and him work together because I think he was the right choice and it worked I'm fairly certain they worked together on Tintin yeah Didn't they did so but well. that's Tintin I wanted them to do it more because I thought this was a growth in their partnership I thought Mark Rylance the problem with him is he's becoming a trope for he's Steven like Spielberg. a fungus
0: that can't escape he's not like a fungus for goodness sake man he, he's a celebrated he actor he grows into he's like infest. In, it's an infestation of Rylance I just think he's just an okay guy he was guy. a poor choice he's,
1: for this because he's playing a computer games nerd and when you You see him in the memory clips with his like perms, sort of hair wearing 80s clothes. I just that just that's just silly. And I didn't buy it in the end. I didn't mind. And you can see why Steven Spielberg has chosen him. It becomes clear as the film goes on. But the main reason he's chosen him is because he likes Mark Rylance, I think. Just don't get it. He's just okay. Yeah. So, listeners, for me, I really enjoyed it far, far, far more than I expected to. And I thought it was charming performances from everyone. I thought the score was great. I thought it was well composed. Uh, I don't think it appealed to everyone, kind of, for the reasons Phil's talking about. But I hope I've counted all of them.
0: It's, it's definitely giving me food for thought. And I think a part of me wants to see it, whether or not I get to. I'm, I'm going to go into A-, because of the way it made me feel by the end. How about that? oh you suddenly put a little bit of a sour tinge on that because think, of the way it made me feel well that, the
1: thing is I can't get away from that that was the thing and I found, I came away thinking I love it all the things I told you about are addressing criticisms rather than necessarily praising the film but I, th- I do praise it so A- is right it's the real grade it's my grade there you go
0: okay if you go see Ready Player One or have already seen it let Laurie know what you thought <laughs> quiz 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 of the week quiz of the week is here well fortnight month (laughs) quiz 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 of the fortnight <laughs> ah. <laughs> nice man. uh listen this is something that i prepared for the bbc radio show just in case you know you've got to have a, a few things up your sleeve a little bit of content ready to go mm, ready to yep, go yep. and uh we didn't get to do it instead we did a harry potter quiz which was great yes
1: fun. A, pro- a quiz is provided by my wife judith and yeah. you won didn't you
0: i did win Ridiculous. which was a controversial decision because i i slightly stacked the decks but anyway um Listeners, this is a quiz for Laurie. Play along at home. I prepared six screams or yells of sorts from various movies. Are they I mean they're famous ones. I think you should be able to get all of them. There's one which I think is very, very tricky, but very, very gettable at the same time. Right. Um, and I'm interested to see how you do, basically, Laurie. Well, because you you pride yourself on your knowledge and uh... I don't think
1: I do. You say you do. You definitely do. <laughs> yeah, I do. But... I the thing is I'm always impressed by myself when I remember something. <laughs> but that's partly because I don't expect to hold onto this info
0: well i'll be really pleased if you do manage to get it um and listeners i think it'll be a fun one to play along at home so mm. let us know how you do here we go are you gonna play some quiz drum roll or something uh
1: yeah i'll put on some uh, well the tense music i used for our uh, first and last lines quiz that worked quite well didn't it Ooh, that was good, all yeah. strings that kind of thing and i give myself a little trumpet whenever i get it right ba,
0: ba, da, ba, ba. looking forward to it <laughs> <laughs> i could tell yeah. right ready question one then
1: I mean, the thing about this one, Phil, is I've just realised I'm not going to be able to play it in the way I thought because the title comes up. But fortunately, I would have got that anyway. That's Obi wan Kenobi, mate, out of the Phantom Menace, and it's when Qui Gon gets a laser through the heart, A laser sword. <laughs> yes,
0: <say. laughs> well done. Then next question. Question <laughs> did,
1: two. This is how these
0: things go. It's good we did do it on the radio, eh? Imagine
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man,
0: I'm annoyed that it. I, I read yeah, the files you and very everything. hard. You, I do. Really you, do, you, you hard. do. I feel for you, Phil. Question okay. two. Here we go. Ah!
1: You definitely have made these quite easy.
0: I mean, yeah, well, so really the quiz is going to be just one or two of these because I <laughs> thought it was going to be on the radio. I wanted to be okay, accessible. Okay, a broad church, some... right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that
1: is Mufasa as he gets, uh, you know, scarred off a cliff. <laughs> and Simba, no less, going, wow! No! What a scene it is. Ah, I thought it was a funny scream. That is a good one, actually. Is it, is it James L. Jones who does it? I it guess so. Be. I should say. So. <laughs> it's hard to do. <laughs> Fun to do. All right, okay. Question three. I have two out of two so far. Ready? Here we go. I mean, again, (laughs) I think he made it quite easy. The thing about that scream, I realize, very famous. And it got redone, of course, in a recent reboot of the franchise mm. quite badly, we'll have to say. And they swapped the character around as well. Am <laughs> I giving enough clues that I know what it is? Yeah. But I really love that they just repeat it in the original. Ah, it's quite funny. Ah. And his face is very impressive as well. That is, of course, William Shatner screaming Khan as he learns he's been abandoned. Well, what's the name of the film, Roy? Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, my friend. <laughs> I know, Jake He's on. got a name in it, not he's even if he's a big yelling Star the title. I know that. One. <laughs> I'm Jakey, I'm Jakey. All right, okay. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm on track for six hours. Six right now. Well, that let's see beautiful. then. Okay, question four. <laughs> that is difficult. Um... Can you give me any context or any clues on that? No. Thing? Do you think that's easy? Yes. No, that is not easy. When I easy. tell you the answer, it's going to be so easy. Oh, don't say that. And I'm so glad it worked my plan. <laughs> oh, no. Because the thing is, there's a, like a swoop of a machine at the end. Mm. And he's saying car or something. Car? Is he saying there's a car coming? Car! Um, oh, I do, I, what it sounds like to me is someone doing self-surgery. Like they're trying to do something really quickly okay. to get out of a scrape. And I, oh, I really just don't know, man. You're gonna have to hit me
0: with it. That is the wrath of Khan, part two. Oh, right. okay. It's Khan. <laughs> That's, That's what not, not fair. Brilliantly, man. it is fair. You said it was. But Star Trek 2. you do something, do something so obvious,
1: and it's Spock who does it. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't really believe that worked. Annoying. Ha <laughs> ha.
1: Oh, this is play it again. <laughs> He's done it play again. again. <laughs> He's done it again. He's cheated somehow. The N is chopped off by the <laughs> Oh, spaceship. yeah, yeah. You even mentioned not it. Good, not as good performance. I, I love... think William Shatner's is better.
0: I, think. I love the fact that you mentioned it oh, <laughs> in
1: the previous one and still didn't get it. All there right, you Okay, go. so Zachary Quinto, that was Yeah. So. All right, here we are. Question five Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> shut up, are you saying? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I do know what that is. Well, what? Um, tell me who the actor was. No, that's not easy enough. Um, oh, shut up. The thing is, I think I remember, is it at mealtime or something? And he's just had enough. Not a meal mealtime. Oh, what is it? Shut up, shut
0: up, shut up. This is the really tricky one. This is the one I was going to give you major props. Is to it famous? It. It's famous. It's a, The guy is very famous. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's a film which you, I am 99% certain you've seen. Can we hear it again? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Shut up! Shut up! Shut
1: up! Shut up! it is quite funny it's a good scream isn't it yeah it is a very good scream it's the other with the ones after it's also said kind of weirdly uh, I don't think I'm going to get this man they
0: are said weirdly I'll give you a clue on, ready do.
1: yeah Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Right, okay. And when would he be doing it, though? <laughs>
1: That's really difficult, man. It's not like Total Recall, is it?
0: No, it's an unusual film relative to the rest of his catalogue. Uh, Not like Kindergarten Cop.
1: Is it Kindergarten Cop when he can't handle a classroom?
0: Yes! Yeah! Dang!
1: Okay! <laughs> well done, Laurie. I, cause it, to begin with, I thought, is it like one of these like cheap horror films like Gremlins or something? Because I could hear the noise and it's stuff. It's the little kiddies in ah, the background. Well good, done. That's good, man. That is good. He nails it as well. He didn't even really sound like Schwarzenegger. Today. I know you've got to get it towards the There's end of the little that
0: much passion <laughs> <laughs> ta-da, ta-da. <laughs> yeah, exactly. good one man okay alright yeah, so I didn't really get that is that half I'll give you half yeah and then the last question number six question right, six here we go
1: how long it goes on for <laughs> when, this is the thing that's brilliant because people talk about the magic of radio because you paint <laughs> mental pictures but the other side of it is if there is actually a visual picture that has gone with the audio then removing the visual picture sometimes reveals the audio to be terrible and that is not <laughs>
0: impressive <laughs> it's like the the Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey of screen. it's not so good <laughs> and of course
1: that would be Mel Gibson as Braveheart
0: mm, William Wallace. Wallace
1: yeah I can't is he dying at that point he sounds like he's dying. Spoiler story. I can't remember. The thing is, I actually can't remember what that. I've never seen to him it. Never not. seen the film. Have you I've no, I've only seen it once before. It's got a uh, score that's very famous. Uh, but in my mind, very derivative. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: very I, I've been kind of wanting to see it, and I know that this is a big moment in Freedom. the film.
1: Everyone knows that that's what he shouts anyway, but few people know he shouts like that. It'd be mean, less fun oh, to do it.
0: Uh,
1: uh, Actually, screaming on call is quite a hard thing to do.
0: Well, ready for the bonus round, Laurie? <laughs> What's <laughs> there a bonus? I want to hear, you could choose whichever one of those things, the screams you just heard. I'd like you to deliver them. Deliver one as best as you can. Right. It can be an imitation or it can be Laurie Bailey in that role. Laurie Bailey in that role. Do you have one you'd prefer me to do? I think I would like you to not do. I'd like you to do one of the words one. So shut Lord. up or freedom. <laughs> I think those. Or Khan. You can do Khan if you'd like.
1: I don't think anyone could deliver that freedom one properly <laughs> because I think it's so absurdly extended. No one would actually do it like that. Well, let's see how you do, Laurie. Will you want me to do freedom? Well, you could choose. Oh, you could choose to long... this scream. I've got it in front of me. It's 12 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna do that. All right. Okay. Something I've always, always like, <laughs> want Stoic. to be able to do. No, I, I genuinely is that you. What Mel Gibson's voice did there is what mine would do, and it sort of, you know, fragments and goes. Ugh. But some people can do it like. Ugh. And it's more in the like the guttural. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I don't think I can do that. alright So I have to do it
0: Scottish accent as well. I'll just let you do it. Okay, ready.
1: How's that? I mean, I <laughs> sounded true. like I was dying. If he was dying, that's impressive. Uh, he sounded kind of like James McAvoy. <laughs> McAvoy. He would do a good job as well. well. He's done some good screams. We should have had him. Uh, well, maybe round two of the scream do you know what We quiz? should have done as well. We should have done the Adam and Joe, mate. I mean... What's the, the Adam and Joe? Are you kidding me? Oh. Uh, Pierce Brosnan as Taffin. Can we well, play you, that? Yeah, play it as a nice this little... This is Pierce Brosnan as Adam and Joe. Full credit to them. Uh, to bring out the comedy of this, delivering a line in a way that no-one else would ever, ever, ever deliver a line. Uh, good way to close it out, man. Nice job. Go. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here!
0: Well, that's easily fixed.
1: I went to see Love, Simon as part of BFI Flair down in London, Phil, and it's quite nice to go and see a film not in a press screening sometimes i already said this haven't i about isle of dogs same thing it's, so i was with a completely full cinema and people were super excited to present this because bfi Flare is a big lgbtq plus festival and there were loads of films as part of that It had a great passionate introduction and even before the film started everyone was super positive about the vibe basically and that was a treat because the film then followed suit have you
0: heard much about love simon you've said a lot about love simon i mm. think um and it's i remember hearing that Neil Patrick Harris, the guy who's in How I Met Your Mother, plays Barney, and uh, Kristen Bell, they, they both paid for a full audience to go for free to love Simon because they loved the film so much and they loved what the film was uh, conveying.
1: Oh, that's, that's such a good story. And that's same, that was exactly the same thing that happened with Black Panther. And I think these kind of films at the moment that are championing uh, people or sort of cultures that have been seen as minority cultures are really striking a chord with audiences at the moment. This is based on a novel called Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda. By Becky Albertalli, and it sounds like the story is very similar. Uh, but the basic premise is this: guy Simon, played by Nick Robinson, the kid out of Jurassic World, as you said, uh, is gay, but he hasn't told his family. He hasn't told his friends. It's not because he's ashamed of it. It's not because he's nervous, particularly about how people are going to respond. Perhaps it's more to do with he wants to be the person to say it, and he wants to choose when and how. Why? All that kind of stuff.
0: So the moment he's looking for, is that exactly, what it is? Exactly,
1: yeah. So for various reasons, he's at high school doing normal high school things with a very cool bunch of friends, very sunny, very cool, very trendy, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, and when he discovers there's another kid in school in the same shoes as him, uh, then he's really intrigued by that because this other kid has put up a public post on the sort of high school gossip website and signed it off as Blue anonymously saying, I've not told anybody. And he realises, wow, this is my chance to connect with someone but he has to use a secret identity as well. So they don't know who they are, but they're talking and they're trying to help each other out. And maybe it's going to get romantic. Who knows? Let's have the trailer, yeah? Hey, guys. How was the party? It was really fun. Aces. Huh. <laughs> he's wearing a woman's sweater and he's drunk.
0: Well, he didn't drive drunk and he's home before curfew, so. That's what I thought we got. Right? Yeah, we're good parents. Yeah, we're good. Right?
1: Fake young woman, good morning, Creekwood.
0: My name's Simon. For the most part, my life is totally normal. I have a family that I actually like, and there's my friends. We do everything friends do. We drink way too much we coffee, wor- gorging on carbs. So, I'm just like you, except I have one huge-ass secret. Hey! I like your, your boots! I said I like your, your boots! Goodbye! Nobody knows I'm gay. <sighs>
1: Have you seen the new post? About the closet a gay kid at school. What? Who do you think it is? Can I call you back?
0: Dear Blue, I'm just like you. <gasps> this was a mistake. It's nice to know there's another guy at school with the same secret. When did you first realize? it was a bunch of little things like my first girlfriend i think
1: i'm falling in love with you
0: wow thank you be right back (laughs) wasn't my proudest moment
1: sometimes i think i'm destined to care so much about one person it nearly kills me
0: me too i'm done living in a world where i don't get to be who i am i deserve a great love story and i want someone to share it with (laughs) Ever been in love? I think so. These last few years, it's almost like I can feel you holding your breath. I'm supposed to be the one
1: that decides when and where and who knows. That's supposed to be my thing.
0: Disclaimer: This is about to get romantic as f. You're not into Abby, are you? She's cute, but yeah. she's just not really my type. Mm. Not because she's black. I love black women. Not like, you know, I have a thing for black women. I just, I just, I just love all women. There
1: we are. Very sunny music. You can hear it all there.
0: Mm, Very upbeat. I love Mm. the little game I play uh, off air listeners. I always seem to try and guess what the plot is and try and guess (laughs) the plot twist. Sometimes I think I've got it absolutely 100% correct. And Laurie kind of goes, well, well, I'll I'll never give away to you, Phil. No, you're too much of a poker face. But if I I I get it right, then I will be very chuffed. Anyway, Mm. love Simon. Tell us more.
1: Well, so you heard a couple of other voices in there, well-known actors. That's Jennifer Garner and Josh Duhamel as well. And they are playing Simon's parents. And they are very groovy parents. I'm sure you picked it up. There's that opening scene when he turns... Up, having tr- got drunk basically at the party, and they're like, "We're good parents, aren't we?" <laughs> trendy, cool. And <laughs> what I would say is that that kind of thing. I'm glad there's not that much of that in the film because that would start to get a bit annoying. That's and- a,
0: a very popular sort of teen trope, isn't it? It's a bit in Juno. Yeah, it sort of started that off, and then uh, the one which really bothered me was Easy A. Right, Her parents are so trendy in that. Oh.
1: And sometimes that can turn you off because you get the sense that's really aimed at the parents who have gone in to see it with their kids. Like, we're on side parents. We know you're probably cool. We know you're the kind of parents who'd be like this. You know, you'd handle (laughs) this situation really well, that kind of stuff. Uh, But so fortunately, there's not a lot of that in it. What there is a lot of is Nick Robinson as Simon. And he is great, man. He's very talented. And it helps a lot that Simon's character is very normal. He's on the cool side of normal. So he's not like the the jock or the totally popular kid at school, but he has a group of friends that he feels comfortable with. And he he just gets on with things and he's very likable. He manages... I realise it's the second perfect side parting I've seen in cinemas for the last couple of weeks. It really annoys me because now I've got an encroaching widow's peak. I can't do it.
0: You can <laughs> embrace it.
1: No, man. No, I'd look like I was a, like a bad let, guy. Let the, of a, the a hairline, hairline dictate film. where the parting no, comes. No, man,
0: I would look terrible. To, I have such a giant
1: forehead. <laughs> But that's by the by. <laughs> Nick, Robinson, <laughs> Nick Robinson could do it. And I just thought this film is so charming from beginning to end. It's obviously aiming for a mainstream audience. And I'm sure, given the content of the film about someone who's closeted, figuring it's sort of coming out of age. Can I call it that? So mm-hmm. it is coming of age, but also coming out. It's really excited about its potential to reach millions of people. And, you know, up till now, the high profile films with this kind of subject matter are things like Call Me By Your Name or Carol or even Brokeback Mountain was the huge one, right? Mm. And those things, they're, they're more sensational and more sort of di-
0: on the extreme end of things. I
1: no, not not extreme, but as in, there it's is... positioned
0: a film like like the audience will find this controversial.
1: Yeah, or it's a, there's a real point behind it. It's like you got you got to deal with this, so we're going to give it to you in the most sort of passionate way possible, or uh, you know, with Carol, the most stylized way possible. Probert Mountain is much more sort of can you deal with this like cowboys, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas this is absolutely not that. This is just a high school film, and it's a completely normal entertaining funny warm high school film that doesn't go into the extremes kind of at either end of the spectrum so it doesn't spend a long time dealing with the sort of real sort of psychological challenges that lots of people undoubtedly have had while they're trying to figure out how to come out and just as it also doesn't deal with the hyper positive sort of messaging about you know explore your passion kind of thing it doesn't really touch either of those sides of things it is a straight shooting right down the middle film That I think will reach a wide audience, and it probably should be seen as a bit of an achievement. Do you agree with that?
0: I see what you're saying. So, like, as in, um, it's not, it's unusual because it's not unusual
1: yeah exactly right yeah so exactly what you said with Wonder Woman right like it annoyed you that I said Wonder Woman was my film of the year or one of my films of the year because you thought the whole thing is it's not sensational it's just a good film with that a great a female good protagonist yeah.
0: yeah it doesn't it doesn't need to be commented on
1: this film is exactly like that despite the coming out narrative being a huge part of the story so I thought it was really interesting and I thought it was very charming the major thing it made me think was man I want to be young again <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing really because despite the fact that there are definite highs and lows and challenges and all the classic challenges you'd expect from kids finding out who they are and where they fit in the world is so optimistic. And it feels like there's so much of life ahead of these guys while they're trying to figure stuff out. That made me think, I want to go back and I want to experience my teenage years like that. Like, wow, there's so much to look forward to. Whereas most of us experience our teenage years is like, Oh, (laughs) "Oh, I can't get my hair right. Oh, Oh, oh." she's not interested in me. And man, I, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Whereas this film is the other way around. And I really loved it for that. It made it very easy and enjoyable to watch all the way through. and Very relatable. And as I said before, it's funny. The script is charming without being twee. I think, do you know, it's interesting you brought that up, launched a series of films that were annoying because they were so quirky and self-aware. This film is not like that.
0: But just the side point about judo i don't think juno is included in that i think juno has a good distinctive thing but other people try to emulate it and yeah that's became... right so juno
1: was the first but it inspired yeah, kind of yeah annoying yeah, yeah. this is not like that these kids aren't too cool for school they're very much kids. in school <laughs> yeah like looking forward to what life has got to offer them uh, and i thought the central cast of kids had great chemistry between themselves so that is Catherine langford as leah burke uh, alexandra Shipp as abby and george lenderborg as nick uh, and kind of this guy, Logan Miller, uh, who plays a guy called Martin. Oh, I was saying, uh, that in particular, Alexandra Shipp has already been in big films. She was in X-Men Apocalypse as the new Storm. Oh, yeah. We'll be seeing her again in Dark Phoenix. So they they just work well together and you believe that they're mates. You know, there's there's scenes at the beginning where they all like... It's easy even in the trailer there. They all get into his car and he ju- they just happen to all be on the same block. So he reverses in. Even his driving is kind of cool and like everything's in sync and they get their four iced coffees. its It had a vibe of some of the 90s high school things where kids have their own cool world that they inhabit and everything fits them even while they're trying to figure out who they are. And that is a bit rare. I'd say we've had more... Uh, sort of issue or theme-specific high school films recently. Mm. Because even Lady Bird isn't generic in that way. It's not taking all of high school. It's very much about her, isn't it? Mm. And, And her own story... This is is like that, but not the only the ne- major negative I've got, other than some of it being a bit, you know, like the parents thing being a bit annoying. Some of the music is too on the nose. So especially when he starts sending these emails and it's like suddenly here's someone he can open up to. The music is so advert inspirational. I wish it hadn't done that because well, the audience knows this is a great moment without that music telling us it's a great moment. And it would so that wasn't so good. But the rest of the soundtrack is very great and upbeat and cool. The only thing I didn't really like was Google because it's so like Google. much. Of this is about Gmail. Like I've never seen more shots of the way that Gmail works. It really annoyed me that Google felt they wanted to have that. Is there a scene presence. where it's
0: like, oh no, I sent a message, but oh, it's fine because yeah. Gmail you can undo a They're message exactly like that. There's stuff uh. in the outbox, and it's so
1: and creating a new email address just like that to hide your identity like there's so much about it's uh, the most blatant product placement it's a bit annoying and I wish Google wasn't so present but I don't doubt that Google will be delighted because they're very well known as a supporter of LGBTQ plus issues aren't they so I'm sure they were really happy but it annoyed me because just let the people be the people Google don't get your grabby Google hands over it all So I'm surprised
0: they didn't have like you know Google Home be the way he sent the message hey Google that's right man <laughs> hey Google
1: or use that as
0: a way to break the coming
1: out story yeah. it's like, man Google I really hope people don't find out I'm gay. You what, want Zessa everyone lemon? to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that would have been interesting. I, there are so many sketches that should be done about <laughs> the this new G. trend, like Alexa Home as well. I thought about that. I thought about getting Alexa Home involved in a domestic dispute when husband and wife are arguing. Anyway, that's.
0: What well, I'm really thing. hoping is somebody's playing uh, one of their devices. And I think is hey, Alexa, I think that activates it. So if uh, anyone has got an I'm Alexa. playing this out loud in their house. Alexa, <laughs> send a message to all of their friends. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, something funny. ha, <laughs>
1: ha. Is that what it'll say in the message now? Something funny, ha ha ha. We're great off the cuff, though. That's what I'm saying. I know. It's just, great I was so sharp, hosts. you know, because yeah. I've
0: been been away from the podcast. Yeah, I've rested, yeah. relaxed. you come back now. 100% fit.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> no podge
0: on me whatsoever. Look,
1: so, listeners, I hope what you can pick up from this is that the film is brilliant at being quite ordinary, but in a very entertaining and brightly lit, cheerful way. I thought it was just about as perfect as it could have been for the sort of premise. So it does come highly recommended from me. I felt, I, when I left, I felt really positive about the world, which is always nice. <laughs> the world. I need more things like <laughs> that in yeah, my life. Yeah,
0: brightness in your life. Uh, so it gets a B plus for me. I thought it was good. I'm going to be go see I'm going to be go... I'm going to go see this uh, with Ellie, and yep. I will report back on what we thought. I think you'll agree with me, yeah. And that is entirely based on your recommendation. So well, there we go, imagine. On your head be it. <laughs> right, listeners, we've got a bit of a surprise slash treat. We suddenly had a, a realisation that Laurie had not seen Star Wars, the solo new movie trailer starring Alden Reich, and all those guys.
1: So saw the first and, one.
0: And uh, so this is Laurie's live reaction to the new Star Wars solo yeah. movie trailer. And, 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 you know,
1: I want to say, if I sound a bit weird, it's because I'm wearing uh, noise-canceling headphones, so I can get the authentic, true bass tones of the, the trailer. And also, so you can't hear the trailer the anyway. It doesn't
0: yeah, yeah. So it. we're gonna underlay the trailer, and I'm gonna to give shout. you live commentary on Laurie's reactions as I watch it. Okay, you ready for this? Hmm. This might be really boring. A bit loud. Just turning it down.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Is this Blade Runner? You're after something? No. British voice. <laughs> is it revenge it's interesting that they put like a rock track on it <laughs>
0: yeah I'm trying it's to be cool something. trendy money
1: it's after revenge it's after money i don't know how to do these reaction things <laughs> or is it i can else? tell you don't look massively Ooh, impressed. smoky millennium falcon you look good oh it's the chick terminator genesis it's uh, what's the name and Game of Thrones Daenerys Targaryen maybe putting together crew oh it's um, what's his face Paul Bettany I am I can't hear what word you're saying Chris <laughs> that's
0: okay I'm, I'm enjoying it got uh, a very a nice show uh, going this. on what do you think um, well what do you know
1: all in all right, right not hey, Han Solo, I my friend.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, okay. He's the best. You don't think he's delivering the lines? Well? I can't.
1: I literally can't hear a word you're saying. Come on, this say that again. True.
0: You don't think he's delivering his lines, well? Heard about
1: me. He's just not Han Solo, is That's he? True. Lando, though. Hey, Lando. Is that Donald Glover? Yeah,
0: wicked. Let's go with a mean man's face. These um... guys. <laughs> I don't know, can't tell if Laurie's looking really impressed if or if he's looking us, really, really disappointed.
1: You're in this life for good.
0: What I like, so, I
1: <laughs> Woody Harrelson's mustache is terrible to say. He looks like a really old Adolf Hitler <laughs> who survived in the ice only to become a smuggler. Um, Let me give you some advice. Look, it looks better so far Listen, than the first everyone. one. Okay. We'll I still find it a bit strange would be to see Star Wars machines I a really, good feeling about really done heavily in CGI because it means that the way they move you know has changed a lot mm. and the chicken walkers are now way too fluid. is no, 190. <laughs> Sorry. Punch it. He said push it, not punch it. I know, that annoyed me as well. That's a mistake there, my friend. This is a bit where you're looking for the cool flash of something. Well, that guy's neck <laughs> totally broke. Uh, so violent. That's a scene now of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, where they're hanging out of a train. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This time with uh, Chewbacca. Hockey hair Well, I'm going to be honest, Phil, I don't feel that worked very well because, <laughs> because the noise-catching headphones really you were worked. So-
0: it's so loud. I can't believe well, it. Yeah, I was trying to talk back. quietly. Well, One of the thing hit, is uh, it's that...
1: I couldn't hear what you, you can't were talk saying. About uh, well, look, I don't really know what to say about that. I think old Naren Wright just appears to be a poor choice, which is a shame because I like him. Donald Glover is a good choice. I like they've got a mixture of... Do you of think kloster- he is? I'm, not, yeah, I'm a bit yeah,
0: nervous about. about it. No, he'll be good because
1: the thing is... No one can be Billy Dee Williams, right? Mm. But Donald Glover, at least, he's a good choice right now because, because he's, he's cool. cool and charismatic, isn't he? And that was what Lando was. And Lando was supposed to be cool, even though he wears a cape. So <laughs> <laughs> I think Donald Glover can probably pull off a cape uh-huh. I think it looks a little bit generic. So what I was trying to say about the CGI Star Wars machines is it, the, the thing is, when you see the Millennium Falcon, I can't disassociate it from the way that it moves in the original trilogy. Mm. So I didn't even like it in The Force Awakens when it does that U-turn.
0: It sort of swoops around. It's just yeah, the it just doesn't right to me.
1: Like in the original Star Wars, it's far smoother and more precise. And there's long arcs as if they are World War II planes. I kind of liked it to deal most with
0: and stuff. in uh, Force Awakens. I thought that was, they kind of got it right. Most, mostly. I don't know about that.
1: So I don't, I'm not particularly looking forward to those scenes. And I'd rather we spent more time with the characters
0: than with cgi battles what because, did you think yeah. of that cgi trained thing though oh i thought that looked quite cool
1: well but again it's sort of it looks cool in a way that it doesn't look real and this is one of the things i mean like about ready game, player yeah. one which i thought would really worked well because there wasn't anything in that that made me think oh you know, other than when it was meant to do that. Mm. Whereas this is supposed to be real, but I don't buy the drama of Chewbacca hanging out the door. And it really I mean, does remind me of that um, Captain
0: America scene. For some reason, I don't think Chewie's in danger. I don't know why, but I think he's going to be okay.
1: I know what you mean, Phil. I mean, he's got the sort of face that makes you think he'll probably survive, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's probably. And if a he's main been, lived for 190 years. You know, what's another 10 or so? He's
0: he's street smart. You know,
1: if you'd read the extended universe novels, you would know that Chewbacca gets crushed by a moon.
0: <laughs> I remember that <laughs> was the, the bit when I was bit like, oh trilogy. no.
1: I know, that was a big mistake. Is he like the last person on the planet? I can't quite remember, but it's, it's a tragically written bit, and they were going for shock, and I just thought, terrible. That was when the series died, and it was the first book. And, like, <laughs> terrible. Anyway, look, I don't know that that really worked that well. I can't imagine that was very interesting to listen to you.
0: I think we'll, put, we'll put, the, put the trailer in underneath. Maybe that normally helps a bit production values. <laughs> I think maybe we should think, shelve it. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it sounds. <laughs> okay. Okay, it's what
1: we've been watching time. That's what that jingle meant. Phil, I'm now recording this with uh headphones around my neck, like a cool DJ. Do I look cool? Yeah. We don't we don't really use headphones because we don't need a live feed. I prefer to keep it au naturel but we had to do that on the radio.
0: Yeah, it was a bit strange, a bit weird. I quite liked having uh a kind of live feedback yeah. of uh, what we were recording. But anyway. Maybe to consider for a future date, what are the films? <laughs> I'm gonna review Senna and shall
1: I do both of mine I'm going to have to do them so fast and and incidentally listeners we decided based on the time (laughs) the clock currently says and in fact we haven't had too many emails this week sorry if you have thank you very much uh, for those who have emailed and tweeted we'll do that all in the next episode but we'll just do what we've been watching then
0: finish up yeah I think so so I'm going to do Senna you're going to do Man From Uncle
1: yes well and I can also briefly do the Hitman's Bodyguard very quickly
0: oh yeah but we've already reviewed that on the podcast well same with the Man From Uncle I think haven't they? true True. right, come on let's just do Senna first
1: Senna Senna Senna
0: Senna 78. I came to Europe to compete for the first time. It was pure driving. It was real racing. And that, that makes me happy.
1: Oh my goodness, this is fantastic! I think we are watching the arrival of Ayrton Senna, a truly
0: staggering talent. among the
1: all-time greats. How do you feel about being world champion? It's not a bad feeling at all, is it?
0: (laughs) Ayrton has a small problem. He
1: thinks that he can't kill himself. And I think that's very dangerous. We are competing to win. And if you no longer go for a gap, you're no longer a racing driver.
0: I was treated like a criminal.
1: The decision is my decision. I can't stand this. Walking away from the dark forces just doesn't become an option. I was not going to give up. So, have any of your girlfriends ever asked you to go faster? Yeah.
0: There was an energy,
1: a force, a spirit. It was electrifying.
0: the last time either of them would be on the podium
1: Ayrton ran out of luck there is a lot to go a lot to learn a lot to do but I have
0: plenty of time pure driving pure racing that makes me happy uh, this, is, this is the same guy who did uh, Amy, that documentary that I reviewed. I, I was a big fan of, but I had some issues with the second half of the film. When you start feeling that documentary filmmakers are sort of spinning their narratives as if they knew um, the, the subject better than the the people around them. And it sort of starts placing blame. I found that uncomfortable. This is about uh, Arton. Ayrton. Ayrton Senna. Okay, I've never been very good on names, Laurie. Give me a break. you seen the documentary,
1: um, I don't understand. It's because it's his name.
0: Yeah, but they don't really say it. It's all in Portuguese or like right, Brazilian okay. or whatever it is. Um, and uh, so. Yes, he's a Formula 1 driver. It shows him from his sort of debut into this big competition with uh, his teammate, his rival guy with a fantastic nose. Okay. Um, But I loved the film. I thought it was really exciting. It made me care about Formula 1, which is, I'm sorry to say, listeners, I'm not a massive fan of the sport. No, me neither. Uh, It never really connected with me, but this really did. And um, it reminded me of the film Rush, you know, Ron Howard did with Chris Hemsworth. And Um, he was
1: playing, oh, they've got great names. It's, oh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember. Nikki Lauder and James Hunt. Yes. Yes, yes. So charismatic. Can't believe the real life guys were so much like their film counterparts.
0: Yeah. And that was a really exciting film. I really love that film. And this is kind of like a real life version of the same thing. And um, Senna is a really interesting character because he's quite... Um, shy and endearing, and at the same time, he was this superstar. He was uh, kind of like a national hero for his home nation, and this guy who had so much talent and success. And yet, because of various different elements and and new introductions of sp- rules within the sport, it suddenly became this this there was this tension between his own safety and um, and racing to the to the absolute extremes. I thought it was. It uses the same thing that Amy does, where it just uses footage that is recorded. There's no narration. Instead, it uses vox pops to kind of tell the story and piece it together. And in that regard, I thought it was wonderful. It really just sucks you in, and you find yourself being immersed, and you don't even realise that a narrative is being told to you You just feel like you're living these moments in his life that's cool isn't it Um, and and the sport is really exciting I think I kind of like when you see someone take uh, these events that happen over many many years and condense them into a narrative it's very palatable and an engaging way and you get to kind of see the exciting exhilarating moments in context so rather I think this is what sports fans who are uh, Formula One fans already know they know the whole broad context of these events and they kind of piece together a narrative over many years but here's like a for an outsider coming in it was a great experience i think it will make you re-examine the the drivers that you might have heard of the famous formula one drivers and think you, you kind of think oh it's very safe it's very standard and what they're doing isn't very brave and there's not much risk to it and actually this this frames it in a very different way and it's tinged with sadness and yet Uh, also admiration for the guy i won't i don't want to spoil the film but it's historical and so and i just thought it was impactful it really stayed with me and i thought yes this is a good film it's worth watching i might even suggest it's better than amy so if you have seen amy and thought that was great i really really would check out sound even if you're not a fan of formula one at all i
1: think you know the recommendation you're given there that is probably the best indicator is that you knew not being a fan of formula one were interested and now it's made you interested as well I feel that way about Ronnie O'Sullivan, the snooker player, because I'm not really that bothered about snooker, but watching him play is fascinating. So. He is,
0: yeah, enigma- enigmatic is the right word. He's just brilliant. Isn't and it? just absolutely talented. You can't quite believe
1: what he does, and he, mm. and he does it all the time. So
0: I am interested, man. I will watch it. I think you'd really enjoy it, Laurie. I think Great. particularly, uh, I'd probably give it plus. plus. I, I do wonder, because, partly because of Amy and that question of having a kind of silent narrator who is still dictating what information you see. It's fake news, mate. They well, exactly. See what they and to you see. slightly wonder if you're getting this narrative, which is very engaging and enjoyable to watch. Is it really reflective of everything? Or is it uh, uh, propaganda in, in, in its selectedness? But I loved it. And I, I, I think it's a true reflection of what this guy was to the sport. So yeah, do check it out. And if you've seen Senna, let me know what you made of it.
1: Great, superbailybrows at gmail.com, at superbailybrows on Twitter. Nice one, man. All right, I'm going to do these both. I'm going to do them so fast. Ready? The man from Uncle.
0: You told me this was going to be a simple extraction. They were waiting for me. What was waiting for me was barely human. It tore the back off my
1: car. Grow a spine solo. This is the most dangerous time in our history. We recently discovered an international criminal organization with an atom bomb. We have no choice but to work together on this. America teaming up with Russia, that doesn't sound very friendly. We'll leave you two to get acquainted. you tag along but it's in and out no mess and we both forget about in the morning this is not the Russian way you ought to investigate Victoria Vinci
0: they will send an army to stop us
1: we must give them an appropriate welcome
0: it's better for the mission that we get to know each other a little bit more intimately
1: what does that mean
0: it means I like my woman strong
1: so you want to wrestle
0: I did not say that <laughs> Cowboy! For a special agent,
1: you're not having a very special day, are you? So sorry, I can't stay to finish you off myself. Your tracker's not sending a signal.
0: Do you want to check it? Be my guest. What are you doing down there? Trying not to get lost. I'll turn it on now. Let's finish
1: this. Things could get a little messy.
0: Absolutely hate working with you, Perrin. You're a terrible spy, cowboy.
1: Oh, and you have a new code name. Code name, Uncle. Before I bring this up because I watched it with my wife and father in law, neither of whom had seen it, and they both really enjoyed it, which I was surprised by. Because uh, I remember watching it and we thought it was okay. But I it really liked flaws. it. It's the man from Uncle. It's got Henry Cavill and Army Hammer, Alicia Vikander as well, uh, in the lead roles. And even Hugh Grant in there, surprisingly. Guy Ritchie, well. right? Yeah, and he's the guy I want to talk about the most. But first off, I'd say, I think it, the problem with it, I thought, was occasionally it's a bit slow. Because it does have quite long sequences where they don't do anything flashy or particularly interesting. But it's more conversation and plot. But actually, the plot isn't that good and it's not that important. So there's a bit too long of the scenes that James Bond is famous for, where he just, you know, ghosts around parties, meeting people and finding information out. But it's not that well done, I don't think, in The Man From U.N.C.L.E., because the plot doesn't matter. What's more interesting is the characters. So, in one of these scenes where Army Hammer and Henry Cavill are around this party, trying to ingratiate themselves with the criminals they're looking for, there's a scene where Army Hammer, who's got uh, temper issues, goes into a bathroom and there's some Italian guys being really rude to him. And That scene is obviously what Guy Ritchie is interested in. Army Hammer trying to resist beating them up and then eventually giving them in and beating them up. And you can tell that that is the scene that Guy Ritchie likes. And the rest of it he's doing because he thinks he needs to. Just not very interesting. And I Mm. think Henry Cavill is quite good at being really annoying, but he's also just fake. He's like a fake actor. (laughs) I think that's what makes him so good as Superman as well because he's playing an alien in that. And in here he's playing someone who is so sort of pointlessly suave. He doesn't come across as real. But in a way, that works well, Napoleon Solo, because you never know where you stand with him. It's not because he's suave and charming. It's because he's like, he's just not a real person.
0: But I like that. I think that plays off well against the Russian army Hammer. Who's very intense. He's very intense. And you kind of feel that he is constantly not able to keep his cool i think that's that plays off well their dynamic works yeah, works it's well it's fine i
1: just it was surprised at how slow the dialogue scenes were because then when you do get action sequences and proper bits of espionage and comedy as well that comes out of nowhere that's actually really good fun and they work really well it's a great scene with a boat that went in a direction i did not anticipate and laughed at a lot mm. there's quite a few things like that that work really well and i think one thing i really want to give in its favor is Guy Ritchie is very well known for having a style and for occasionally creating bombs like King Arthur, which I think was one of the worst from last year. And that was very like his snatch type thing, wasn't it? Where yeah. it was all fast talking like Barrow lads. And this is not that at all. It's completely the opposite. And when he's kind of given a slightly tighter reign, I actually think he's a very talented director because he can create interesting set pieces out of nothing. And he always has an interesting way to frame it and shoot it and give it pacing. I don't think he's particularly skilled at suave drama, but I do think what he's managed to do with the franchise is really interesting, and he got himself a really winning cast. I think Alicia Vikander is actually really good in this. Mm. She's very enigmatic, but perfect for the time period. Like she really suits the kind of Audrey Hepburn aesthetic they've got going for her. Really works well, and she's kind of believably tough with all that going on around her. She thinks it's ridiculous. Mm. So lots of things that I should, I really wanted to like, but it doesn't completely come together, and. I wonder whether we won't ever see a sequel. I wanted there to be a sequel. Yeah, and that makes me a bit sad because I know Army Hammer talked about it uh, last year, I think, in the summer. And so everyone's saying, oh, well, it's in the works, but I, I don't know. And I, I really want it for Army Hammer because I've liked him basically ever since I saw him in The Lone Ranger, which whilst not a perfect film, was not as bad.
0: Yeah, it wasn't as, as bad. At all, as everyone said He hated it was. that because of Johnny Depp.
1: I think you're right. And Army Hammer in particular was really good as the lead in it. He's very charming. And I think he's one of these film stars that sort of, out of time. If he had arrived on the scene ten years earlier, he would be an absolutely massive leading guy. But it is interesting to me. Maybe it's a good thing that because that hasn't really happened for him, thanks to the films he's been in as a kind of comedy charming lead, he's now doing Call Me by Your Name and stuff like that. So maybe he's got more of a future in art house. I don't know. We will see. So anyway, mm. there's the man from Uncle. That was that was not that short. It wasn't was that great? Long. Uh, what well, sorry? What was the grade? Oh, the grade. I give it a B. It's solid entertainment, and Judith and my father-in-law both enjoyed it. And I was surprised they enjoyed it because it felt slow to me. Hitman's Bodyguard. Well, I won't play the trailer for it, but that's <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson is a hitman giving testimony for Gary Oldman's Dukovic who's a war criminal, and uh, Interpol have got compromised and they lose uh, track of samuel L. jackson's character so they hire ryan reynolds who's a bit of a disgraced private bodyguard to get him there on time and safely it's quite charming it's quite funny it uses violence as a punchline and it's weird i think that's the thing i would say it uses these like odd b b class locations it's like mm. they couldn't afford to use the really big ticket places in london and the hay so they just kind of do it inside streets yeah but for that reason they managed to craft some pretty good action sequences that manage to be light and entertaining and funny whilst actually not eliminating a sense of threat because the two protagonists, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, do not come across as invincible heroes at all. They come off as lucky more than anything else. And I think their interplay works quite well. So, actually, I would recommend that one slightly higher. <laughs> Are you trying to talk, Phil?
0: I'm trying to cough. I: oh, okay. Won't let me cough. All right, cough <laughs> There we go. Oh, horrible couple. I was on holding on to that. It didn't that. need to be a big one, did it? It was. That it was, it was, it was like building up over about three minutes. You just kept on talking and talking and <laughs> talking. <Sorry. laughs> now I'm going to have to keep that in because
1: I can't remember what I was saying. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Um, uh, I thought it was okay. I think the, se- the sequel it probably deserves to be made and it certainly did feel like the kind of action buddy comedy that we used to get in the age of Rush Hour mm. and Shanghai whatever just with a bit more violence what so, would the sequel
0: be called The Bodyguards Hitman yeah,
1: well the, yeah probably it would do something like that because that's the only direction you've really got to go in isn't it so I'd probably give it a another B actually yeah, there
0: you go interesting stuff if you've seen any of those films email in superbaitybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at Bros. do get in your plus ones or your minus ones if you agree or disagree with myself or Laurie
1: Well there we go, always strange to do a show without any emails, and we did get some so I'm sorry to those who are now disappointed but we will get to yours uh, on the next show Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, 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 but hope you enjoyed the film reviews we want to know your thoughts on Ready Player One Isle of Dogs and Love, Simon All thumbs up actually this week, weren't they, basically? Oh no, not Isle of Dogs, you hated it hated it, yeah, sorry, not all thumbs up Get in touch on SuperBellyBros at gmail.com or at SuperBellyBros on Twitter Hope you did it fared better than me in the quiz I thought I did alright, to be honest I thought yeah, there was a trick question yeah. there as well that really shouldn't have been in there, but there we go
0: how was it a trick uh, question no
1: well I just feel annoyed that I didn't get it because you know I know it which is because of what I said in the question before (laughs) it's really annoying (laughs) yeah well done Phil Uh, we'll be back with you probably in a fortnight and uh, we'll see how that goes I'm trying to think what the films will be by that point no idea Mm, this week is Rampage uh, with Dwayne Rock Johnson actually it's quite a lame week for films so hopefully something good will come up (laughs) before the next time we're going to record but other than that listeners have a great fortnight thanks for tuning in have a great week bye that's for now.
0: bonus time you got one uh half one i'm not sure if it counts
1: you know it occurs to me now that we might have a chance of being on the radio using our potential radio content
0: here is that wasteful no it's just part and parcel of the practice bonuses always come to us they're bonus they're not that's uh, true they're not have... essential material are they
1: they have so far all right what have you got
0: Uh, My one is just, have you ever been the victim of somebody else's training in a store?
1: uh not explicitly i've had some terrible service like zero out of ten service you were but, telling me about some
0: service oh, like uh i recently, don't want to go there you just made me angry you were
1: absolutely furious it was a, it was just the it was a building up of issue issue after issue that left me furious and i was going to ask one bonus i had in mind but i won't do today was you know if you if you buy a jumper or you want to buy a jumper especially in a sale and you spot a pulled thread on it
0: at the counter would you say anything yeah
1: exactly what do you say but let's not do that here so give us yours
0: well, my one was, uh, I was getting my suit hire sorted out for the wedding and everything like that. And we were deciding one, we had one person who was super annoying. The way she spoke was just a bit, a bit too clipped and a bit like a really rushed and the blah, 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 blah. And it's kind it of didn't. like, Ooh, don't enjoy that at all. And then was a bit harsh. You just don't like the way she speaks. Yeah. But it was like, she'd been doing the job for far too long. Okay. And she wasn't actually interested in what you were saying. She was, she was more interested tra- in- was she the one training? She was the one training. And ah. then the guy that she was training, uh, he looked the part, man. He was wearing like a black V-neck, uh turtle neck sweater. Oh but wow! He was absolutely hench. <laughs> he was just like <laughs> he looked like a henchman. A Bros mod. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure you should name the company. Doesn't matter. Um, and he had he had his uh tape measure around his neck, ready to go. He had a wow. tash and everything, and he was very Italian looking, very cool. And um, yeah, and she was like, he had his little notepad. She's like, write this down. When they and just going off on one, every single thing she said he should write down, but it was like there was no con- actual discernible information oh, that, that would, would be relevant. When you
1: were watching this happen, you thought she's doing a bad job.
0: She was doing a bad job, but he was not doing any good job whatsoever. <laughs> he uh so I had to give my names of the ushers and things that, onto the system and he was the one typing. I L- tell you what Bailey watching, was on there, I take it. <laughs> yeah. What watching someone type is bad. Watching someone else watch someone else type is even (laughs) worse. It was infuriating because I could see her like blistering with like because I'd give the name our brother Joshua I'd say Joshua you know Joshua Bailey he's one of the ushers and uh, he spelled Joshua with a T with a T? yeah where? I don't know but she was like (laughs) no 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 T and she'd be like having to delete it for him and then he'd type and I I, I think the guy might not English might not have been his first language well he's probably nervous as well and yeah but I think the the fact that he was having to type I just thought oh it it took forever and I was just uh, like (laughs) <laughs> it was it was tricky i didn't know saying names to someone would be so painful i think i would have preferred it if it was on the phone yeah you know, and no it was in person i just watched this guy fail again and again and again at spelling names oh painful is that painful. the end
1: of it? is that is that the thing though is that was there something else he did that was tough
0: it was just a general sense that he didn't know what he was doing. And I found out through, through the course of the day that it was literally his last day of training. Oh, no. I know. And he thought, how is this guy not able to do anything? But
1: maybe without that, but it's like a driving test, you know, without the person looking over your shoulder grading you, the better it gets. And some we know this, sometimes when someone is there to help you, often when they tell you what to do it doesn't actually help what would be better is if they just left
0: and gave you some distance <laughs> give me some support and then give you remotely. feedback afterwards yeah.
1: because if they, no no it'd put, put press backspace that's not helpful you know what I mean like yeah. but sometimes that's what you get in those situations
0: oh it was tricky I, I, I think I was a little bit proud that I didn't blow and I managed to hold it together but well, what
1: would you have said though it would have been very unfair of you to make a comment
0: I think the comment I could have legitimately said was oh, c- could you just do it instead because we've got to go somewhere but I didn't I let the guy get trained I let him have his opportunity well what opportunity. are we supposed to give you a gold star here yes Phil? please gold star me playing a
1: top. <laughs> there you go uh, maybe I ought to do my service related one now the thing is it's not a good story it just involves me getting. do something angry. fun
0: because I feel like mine wasn't very fun
1: okay well here's a thinking point for you Phil I think about coin tosses the other day <laughs> of course yeah well it was because it ha- there were quite a few sporting events where some a quite important decision is decided by a coin toss have you noticed that yeah 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 so you flip it and then you decide Maybe who goes first or which way? Off oh, football! Like in a what? I can't, in a non-home match or like the decider, isn't it for like the Champions League final? Is that a coin toss to so depend uh, which end of the stadium? I can't in a neutral how
0: ground, works. yeah, they flip it. Like in and World who Cup gets and stuff. who yeah, takes yeah. possession
1: in the first half? Right, exactly. Same thing with like cricket. You always flip, don't you? And then uh, you'd say, well, we're going to bat first or field first. But yeah,
0: American football, all sports.
1: I don't understand how that practice has been able to last until this day because. If you were describing a top level athlete, what are some of the like adjectives
0: you might use to describe them? Uh muscular, strong, mm-hmm. yeah. focused. Uh, agile, nimble. What about
1: uh, mentally, their mental state?
0: Uh focused.
1: Yeah, definitely focused. Anything mm. else? Any other really obvious, famous stuff that you hear about with top level athletes all the time?
0: I mean, not that they're not the most bright No,
1: that's not what I'm going with. I'm going with superstitious, man.
0: Oh, yeah. Have you not
1: heard about the incredible routines? Oh, yeah, yeah. They eat the right same food. You've got to get it right, otherwise it can throw you off your game. So you have all your lucky charms, and you have your stuff that you always do the same way. Very specific mentalities that you do, and you work, and you spend loads of money on sports psychologists to get you in peak perfection and like precision for the game. And how will it feel? If before the game is even started, the coin toss doesn't go your way, <laughs> just ruined. That's like that's it. Fate, Money down the drain. Literally, fate is against me. The world <laughs> doesn't want me to win. <laughs> I just think, how is that possible in a game where so much is about achieving perfection and mental state? How are they happy with a coin toss? Like, because surely that has an impact on an athlete. An athlete's sort of mindset before a game—they're looking like maybe they're looking at the clouds to see whether the sun is shining for them today. They're drinking kind of their
0: tea leaves and examining those. Is do you know what I mean? In, like,
1: in an area that is known for superstition, <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever.
0: Well, I don't know. What would the alternative be? Though. Well, I just decided beforehand,
1: or do you know? Like there must be that because it with football. The way they do it is it's home ground for most of the time, right?
0: Yeah, I always feel like you should just start with... Because you should know it My point is you
1: shouldn't find out just before the game starts (laughs) that fate is not treating you kindly. At the very least, do it it a month before (laughs) so that it's part of your psychological build-up.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Tricky, have you ever managed to get a uh, Toynkos? Toynkos? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Have you ever managed to get one to land like perfectly or anything like that? Have what you, do ever you mean, seen perfectly? that? Like it lands on its edge. On its edge.
1: No, I've had similar things happen.
0: That's but happened I don't during the a sports class. games. You know,
1: did it? What do they do? Just do it again. Yeah, that sucks, man. Come on, get some more imagination, sports people.
0: I often think though they use like commemorative coins to do these sort of things, but. I feel like that would affect the, uh, the weight of the distribution because different pictures have different... Uh... Well,
1: exactly. This is entirely my point. It doesn't make sense that that continues to this day. You get computers to do it, but that'd be boring. And then you just think, all oh, of science hates <laughs> <against you>. <laughs> <ends laughs> me. <laughs> Maths literally does not want me to win this game. Anyway, uh... That's it. <laughs> I was going to say something else as well. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, but you decided to say, twas ever us. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, that <laughs> <Was is> what, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, I enjoy fantasy... it's harder to say that you realise you don't know what this is I don't care here it is it's in front of your face
0: yes do email in and uh, if you've uh, yeah yes and uh, sorry again that you weren't included this week
1: you don't need I just said that that's what I just said (laughs) okay fine